Thank you for tuning in and welcome to another episode of These Present Days. The title is Conditioning the Atmosphere. We're at it again. And in this podcast, we're talking about that controversial, is it real? Is it fake? Conspiracy raging and buzzing around in the background of every news cycle. Are you ready? Climate change. Dun, 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 dun. Now, before we begin, I want to point out that the climate is always changing. The bannered heading being the be-all and end-all of the destruction of nature and weather is an accurate depiction of what is happening on a daily basis in the world we live in. The climate is constantly changing, so that part, at the very least, we can verify as true. But obviously, that isn't what the climate change catchphrase is referring to. So, what is climate change? Or how about global warming? Do we really know the difference? And which one of these makes people at odds with each other? And while we're at it, why does each side of this subject matter always have to take zealous stances? Can't I just be a moderate on either side? Okay, all joking and questioning aside, let's get some clarity on a few things. Climate change, the slogan, has been around since the 1930s. This is around the time when scientists started noticing that as the global population grew, the carbon emissions that modern ways of life required grew at almost the same rates. In the 50s, a French scientist first recognized the adverse effects of these emissions as they met with the Earth's lower atmosphere, as being very similar to what happens in a greenhouse. With living crops, they emit carbon into the closed environment of plastic and glass between the outside sun and crops. This, of course, is known as the greenhouse effect. Since then, scientists have been monitoring these emission rates as the population increases and the protection between Earth and the sun has thinned out. My parents owned one of the most successful greenhouses in North County, San Diego, until their death in the early 2000s. I helped them build the greenhouse structures and laid out the plastic roofings over the flower crops that they grew. So I know a thing or two about what it's like being inside of a greenhouse. And from my personal experience, I can honestly say that, yeah, it gets warm with water evaporation, condensation, carbon, emis carbon emissions, and of course the outside sun scorching. It's a humid but thriving environment. It's uncomfortable for us humans, but the plants did the best in that type of situation, even if I hated it. When, in the, when the 80s nearly ended, the earth reached its highest temperatures on record. And from that point forward, the term global warming began to circulate and claim um, approval from much of the scientific community. This term refers, refers to that type of environment that I described in my parents' greenhouse warm and uncomfortable. So from the 90s to present days, various alarm bells have been going off from all over the world and are to varying degrees of urgency um, getting people's attention. What we all know at this point is that people are divided into two extreme camps on this subject. Either you blame humanity and the modern ways of life for the destruction of the planet, and the drastic changes in air temperatures and weather patterns, or you don't think that it's true, and you don't think that humans and carbon emissions 
that we produce are to blame for anything, and you just think the crazy weather is random, changing, yes, but random, simple, right? Well, no, not so fast. What if there were another group of people? What if there were people who were so connected to the things of God and who understood that God is ultimately in control of everything, regardless of what science can prove or what makes the most sense? What if those people took their rightful place under the authority of the Heavenly Father and rather than taking one side versus the other, they decided to focus on the condition, uh, on the conditions being conditioned and changing the atmosphere from corrupted to incorrupt. Firstly, on a spiritual level, influencing the outcomes. Then, and as a result of the spiritual side of things, watching how things begin to change on a physical, natural level. Could this even be possible? To answer that question, we must go to our source of truth, the only truth that there is. Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 19 through 23. For all creation is eagerly waiting for that future day when God will reveal to his children, or, or God will reveal who his children really are. Verse 20, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope. The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. So, sounds to me from reading these verses that creation has a bit of a personality or a voice and is waiting for its release from oppression and it sounds like we actually can do something about it to help it, not necessarily on a natural level, but on a spiritual level. Um, let me just say this off the cuff. On the natural level, I, I've heard both sides of the argument. The science can be proved on both sides. Both sides have a little science. Not much, but a little science on both sides. Ever since the creation of the galaxies, all around us, and this solar system in particular, and setting the sun, the moon, the stars, and all that stuff in orbit. And God created a self-cleaning, self-sustaining ecosystem that is pretty much not destructible by man. It can be, it can be corrupted. It can get, it can get toxified. In other words, it's got to be cleaned out. A little bit more. People got to stop doing certain things like plastic disposals and water bodies, you know, in the oceans that are choking off plant life, like um, the coral reefs and fish and stuff. We could we could change some of that, um, you know. But we got people that are hypocrites, you know, that are on one side that are fanatical about, you know, everybody stop leaving such a big carbon footprint and 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 drive electric or just pedal, you know, with a bicycle the rest of your life all across the earth, you know, no more 
airplanes. And these same people that go from continent to continent to preach this stuff, you know, and to try to gather a bunch of backing and funding for it, they're flying in jet airplanes, privately owned. And by the way, might I add, might I add, they're not electric. You know, they are not uh, pedal driven. They're driven by a great amount of carbon emissions. And so the hypocrisy is just, and the irony of it is just unmistakable. It's like the nose on the face. I mean, it's just like, come on, people. But the thing is that God gave us a stewardship over everything that we are, are about. He created the heavens and the earth, and then he created man the last. Why? Because he prepared everything for man. And then man fell, and it took creation down with him. And that meant nature. That meant insects and plants and animals and even microbes and stuff like this took it all down. And so that's what it's looking forward to be released from that. And we have a, a responsibility in that, sure. You know, but if we never changed the carbon emissions, this planet is going to stay because God will clean it and clear it out with the changes of the weather system. All of a sudden, we're going to get a lot of storms, a lot of moisture being taken up, a lot of winds being blown and stuff like this, and blowing all this emissions away, blowing all this other stuff, you know, from... Uh, from one end of the of the globe to the other, all the way around, you know, like water, uh, rinsing things off, washing things off, rain, storms, you know, hurricanes, tornadoes, all the different things that we know that are part of the weather system. Um, I mean, even Earth expansion and contraction and cold weather and hot weather, um, they say, you know, with the global warming things, the science on both sides, they say that they think they have a, a slam dunk on both sides because they talk about it's getting hotter than it's ever been. No, no. They have never had the weather measurement instrumentation um, before the 20th century. And so we're only talking about one century out of at millions of years of existence. And we can't say that we can make a sure case out of it being this is the hottest it's ever been. It's not supposed to get any, hot, any hotter than this. And we, can't, we couldn't live here anymore and stuff. Uh, listen, this is such a delicate balance that the weather patterns and some, some things, they change because of the proximity of the earth to the sun. I mean, if we moved like they say, if we would definitely burn up as a planet if we were a mile closer to the sun. One mile closer to the sun, we'd burn. One mile away from it, we'd probably all be under a, an ice cap right now. And so there's things that can actually move the earth, like an earthquake. An earthquake like the one that happened over in Japan a few years back that affected the, the nuclear reactors. And it didn't cause a nuclear explosion, it just affected them. It, it, you know, it breached them. It was that bad. It was, it was felt on the west coast. It was small, you know, but irregular waves that came across it were like tsunami warnings were out and things. It's, they said that the earth moved off its axis several inches. That's an, that's an amazing feat to move several inches. And so that can affect things as well. And, you know, did man cause that? Um, it was an earthquake, for God's sake. I don't know if we can cause earthquakes, you know, too many times without dropping a, an atomic bomb in the earth or something. But listen, no one is or should be denying that all of creation has been shifting in the natural order of things. Climate change, yes. It's a lot warmer than it used to be, yes. 
But what we as Christians must never lose sight of is the fact that God holds in his hands nature's symbiotic ecosystems, which are comprised of all the weather anomalies like storms, ocean levels, and toxicity, earthquakes, crazy changes in the temperature in relation to plants, animals, and especially humans. He holds it all in place by his words. He is ultimately in control of all things. He has ultimate authority over all things that he created. And if he created it with words, he controls it with words. And we have the market cornered on his words. We Christian people should be using his words more often than anybody else, more than anybody else, because we have them. We believe in them. We know that they are the way, the truth, and the life. And just as Romans 8 revealed to us, we are all interconnected to this planet and all that God has created. That which takes place in the spirit realm, God's realm, echoes in this natural realm that we experience. And do we think that God is going to destroy the earth? Eventually, yes, this world that we live in will pass away and he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. We know that. But he's not setting out to destroy it as much as he is to purge it. Because he baptized, I mean, he didn't baptize, he, he judged the earth with water and it was submerged with water the first time. And it says in the Bible that the next time God judges the earth, he's going to judge it with fire. That's purging. That's being used to purge it. And so he isn't annihilating it. The, the elements of the planet will still be here and God's going to purge it and God's going to create out of it a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21.1, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. You see, we know, we have known this, Christians, as Christians, we have known this in advance, you know, printed out in black and white with a little bit of red. It's all in the book called the Bible. Those who choose life without God don't know this or they don't believe that the Bible is truth and therefore they are alarmed by what they are seeing all around in nature and in man-made things as well. And without God, some of these things could be really alarming. That spirit of fear about the future is always ready to pounce on those who are looking around at a world that appears to be unraveling. So there's a predator out there just looking and licking his chops, waiting to feast on man's um, unrenewed minds and souls. This is why we must maintain a compassion for those who are genuinely concerned and who are trying to be in charge or, or be the ones to change the world and be in charge of that because they truly do care. And for those of us who understand what these present days are current, currently are and where these days are leading us to, our focus isn't meant to be on the natural things that we feel and see. We need to keep our eyes on the word and the truth. And when it comes to the changes happening in the natural world around us, we must remember that God has given us the answer to that as well. Everything is connected. As believers, we must not get distracted by the things that aren't important. Now, I realize that sounds a lot like I'm saying climate change and global warming isn't important. That isn't what I meant to say. But if the, cap, if, but if the options come down to climate change, 
natural or conditioning the atmosphere spiritual, hands down we must know our rights as representatives of God and, and extensions of Jesus. In Ephesians 2, in the New American Standard Bible, verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul refers to Satan as the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. This is the air that we breathe, the air that goes in and out of our lungs, the air that is affected by changes in climates and getting physically warmer. There is a connection that Satan has on this planet since the introduction of sin, which also introduced decay. Just as sin is a conduit for disaster in our own lives, we must understand that this in some satanic, that this same satanic force has been a conduit for disaster in the planet that we call home for now. But this takes us back to the sacrifice of Jesus, the Son of the living God, who made his way for us to be released, who made a way for us to be released of that bondage of sin, able to live according to God's perfect plan and purpose for us. And equally, he gives us the ability to cut through the natural realm and address that which is happening in the spiritual realms. Ephesians 6.12 says this, New American or, or New International Version, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Look, it's so important for us to hold fast our position on any and all breaking news. Urgent, act now, or, or we are doomed issues and anything else that pops up along the way. So what is our position? We're with God in this one, and we're always going to be on God as a position to take, to take. Let's not be fooled by the things we can only see and feel and experience. And when it comes to climate change and the greenhouse effect and global warming and younger generations, anger to older humans for ruining everything, let's take a breath and understand that we are connected to all the one and same origin of our existence. And it wasn't a big bang theory. It was a God personality that we're all interconnected to him and to each other. And he is the one who is still speaking into existence all things and holding it together with the word of his power, who has given us the ability to tell mountains to move out of the way. There is a time for everything under heaven, and we are in these present days not to go along with what is being shoved down our throats sideways about global warming and climate change, but to stand firm in our acknowledgement of who God is and who we are in Him. No, we're not against those who believe in doing right by the environment, doing right by the creation, taking care of what we've got. Uh, it seems to be a little bit too late to try to reverse the course of the ozone layer being destroyed or the toxicity of, of, toxicity of our water and our air qualities. Um, it's a little bit too late in the day for that to be reversed. But we can do something about 
making sure that we have the healthiest environment for ourselves and our, our family, especially the children, and going forward as long as it takes before the return of Jesus. Um, we should be good stewards because we're going to give an account to God, especially those who know. We're going to give an account to God for what we did with what he gave us, whether it be life and breath and health and strength, or whether it be people, whether it be animals that he gave us to enjoy, whether it be um, a plot of land, um, whether it be the air that we breathe. If we work in a field that actually is responsible for polluting a lot and they have been, you know, throttled back, you know, by the EPA, uh, telling them, you know, how many parts of carbon per million is allowable. And so they get right up to the limit of allowable parts of carbon and we get all that kind of stuff. Uh, we're going to give an answer to God ultimately. So that's the really the big one to have an eye on because we need to do right by what God has given us authority over, do right by what God has given us as far as informing us, to whom much is given, much is required. And so it's our responsibility to take a look at the environment and the things that are going wrong and to make some noise where you need to, you know, maybe through the movements that have been created, you know, to support some of the things being said and done, but don't get fanatical about it. Don't get radical about it. You know, don't politicize it and polarize it. You know, just look at it as such that we leave it at the point of its, its origin of being formed by God's hands, being held in God's hands, and being protected and restored and remade and redone with God's own hands. And in the meantime, we're going to make the most out of doing the best with the time that we have on this planet to do right by nature. Not because she's our mother. We don't have any mother nature. And we're not going to um, fall into any guilt trip trap that people throw on us. But we understand that everything is interconnected whether it's animate or inanimate and everything in between. And especially we're all connected to God because that's where it came from. Thank you guys for listening in again. Until next time, get paper instead of plastic. Just kidding.